When was the last time you did a cartwheel? For me, it actually wasn't that long ago. I have a lot of young cousins and a girl needs a skill, you know? But if your cartwheels need a little work, don't worry. The National Circus Festival is about to head to Mullumbimby. Harley Mann, founder of the First Nations-led circus company, Najanung, is heading along as well. I spoke to Harley about finding community in circus and how he tumbled into the art form from a young age. I started when I was five in a community circus in Sydney called Aerialize, and I maintained uh, community classes and, and after-school recreational classes uh, all the way through my schooling until I was in high school, uh, where eventually I stumbled upon the Circus Oz Blackflip program, which is a First Nations uh, training and development program that was run by Circus Oz out of their Collingwood home. Uh, and I did that in year 11 and 12, uh, which I, I don't think my teachers were hugely impressed by. Uh, but I did it, and from there I, I went on to study a Bachelor of Circus Arts at the National Institute of Circus Arts in Melbourne. When you're a kid and you're learning circus, a lot of it is the the tumbling tricks, the juggling tricks, the, you know, the, these sorts of things. Aerialize sounds like the kind of place that actually gets you up in the air pretty quickly. Yeah, so uh, Aerialize has had a a really strong um, aerial uh, aspect to it, as is kind of mentioned in the name. Uh, but so I, I, I've, I came into this world with a with a quite a strong um, aerial background, and eventually when I got to Nike, I continued that by studying uh, aerial rope or cordelisse, which is essentially what it is on the box, um, a, a hanging vertical rope that you climb up and down and, and, and make shapes and, and hopefully move people with. But also alongside all of that, there is this strong core uh, acrobatic tumbling uh, manipulations, equilibristic sort of training that goes along with the course and also uh, being in a community circus. But actually I think that the thing that, that you learn in, in a community circus that that is much more long-lasting and really sort of profound is this sort of sense of community and engaging with people that look and sound and come from totally different places than yourself. And you get to work together and you get to challenge each other and you get to push boundaries that, you know, you not not always find in, in kind of day-to-day life. In 2017, you went on to be a founder of Najanon Circus. Um, what sets it apart from other circus companies based here in Australia? I think there are a few different parts. I, I think the, you know, the the clear thing or the the thing that gets put on all the media releases is that it's First Nations led, um, which is true, is a really important part of it. But it's actually it's about the the next steps that come with that, right? It's about how being First Nations-led enacts a different way of governance, a different way of thinking about creating and and performing and telling stories. We make work, yes, with a high level of acrobatics and technical training, but we actually, we 
continue to keep alive an ancient culture of storytelling um, through physical metaphors and, and um, you know, challenging, thrilling acrobatics. I'm curious about whether you think that because circus has this history of being a space that is inclusive of marginalised identities, it's, you know, it's got this really long history um, of being a place where people who are disabled, people who are of different ethnicities to the mainstream often kind of banded together and made their own community within the circus. It also had, obviously, there was a lot of exploitation in that history as well. But do you think that because it's got this kind of legacy, it creates a different environment for creativity and one that is a bit more um, open? I think I think you're right. It has a, a, a complicated history. Uh, it has a huge amount of diversity that wasn't wasn't seen on other in other performance spaces but also even just in general life and and workplaces um but also it has a huge amount of problematic material um the freak show for uh, example it, it's just uh, you know in it, you you look back at, at at things like that and you just go like oh my god what were we what where was our humanity in those moments um so I, I think, yeah, I think that history plays a plays a part in it. But the bit about it that I th- that I really, really like to to hold on to is that this idea of um, uh, collective collective societies or, or you know First Nations culture is isn't product driven. It's it's about the community, and I think that's the same with with. Um, traditional circuses in the histories is you you know uh it didn't it doesn't matter if you didn't go on stage that night you still get to eat you know we're not product based we're not we're not rolling in this sort of capitalist idea of of everyone for themselves but rather the the community works together to um ensure that everyone is taken care of in this sort of a sense of life and and happiness and longevity. I mean, that might be romanticized in my head, um, but that's what it's I. It's the know, ethos of what you're doing. I think so, and and it's funny because art now is is in a really, really interesting space. It always it's always shifting and changing, but it it has such a strong um, business brain aspect to it, um, kind of driven by by the desires of capitalism and 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 look at it, some of the art that we're making because of it is is brilliant it's it's really kind of provocative and and um exciting and and we want to see it but yeah i always i do question the the what do we lose in that process of of commercializing expression and and you look back at at uh, aboriginal culture and you, we didn't you know obviously we had dances and, and and songs and things, but it wasn't separate. It wasn't exclusive. It wasn't the artist. It, it wasn't a job to be an artist. It was something that we all practice. It was an inherent part of human life. And it just it baffles me to think that we live in a world where there might be people that don't practice art. That's just bonkers. When it comes to creating your works, how do you decide what question you want to put to your audiences? 
Because when it came to of the land on which we meet, I believe the question was, what do you do during an acknowledgement of country? It was kind of this this moment of of this kind of, I, I don't know, like are, are we doing an acknowledgement of country because we actually care about the country we're on and the stories and the history of it? Or are we doing it because we're scared that people are going to point fingers and call us bigots um, if we don't? Like it, sometimes that's, that, that can even be worse. To, you mm. know, um, that disingenuous yeah. engagement. Yeah. It's like when somebody says to you, I'm sorry, and you know that they're just like, they're just saying it because they need to, to get out of trouble and, and move on with their life. But there's no sort of genuine connection or, or authenticity to it. It's just a, a, a blatant lie to your face and it, it, it sucks. Um, so, but that's not necessarily the case. Like with, with this work, what we discovered as we kind of went through and, and had some yarns with elders and, um, and, and community members and, and looking at what is an acknowledgement of country, what is a welcome to country, uh, one of the things that really stuck stuck with me in, in my head, or two two really interesting things were, one in in a in a welcome this idea that it's a it's an acknowledge it's a, it's a verbal contract it's an acknowledgement of the the place that you're on the the sort of rules and regulations of that place, uh, not to you know not to harm it not to not to um, cut down the trees that aren't meant to be or, or, or you know, it's to, it's to walk lightly and and it's about acknowledging that responsibility as as people on this place to, to do that. Um, and then taking ownership of the ability to acknowledge that and and holding yourself accountable and responsible for your actions within that, that moment. So, Harley, what have you got coming up? Yeah, well, linking linking back, and we can kind of go full circle of coming back from this community community circus aspect. What's coming up is the National Circus Festival, previously referred to as the Mullumbimby Circus Festival, which is a really kind of exciting moment in Australian circus sector. It happens; it's biannual, um, once every two years, and and it hasn't. It was meant to happen last year, but uh, obviously um, there was this huge pandemic. I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it didn't get to happen, but it, we're, we're going and we're presenting another one of our works, Common Dissonance. I, I've been once before and it's, it's a, a really like great training program at the start where you get to see these moments where, um, elders and, and community leaders get to teach young ones, new, new pathways, new skills, and, and the sort of foundations of being a, a full-time circus performer or even just a hobbyist, whatever you like. And then it moves into this really warm, welcoming weekend of like 200 amazing circus shows um, in Mullumbimby, open to the public. Uh, and it's it's just a it's a great it's a great time. It's <laughs> go. I reckon you should go. Harley Man, there. He's a Waka Waka man and the founder of Nanjinong Circus. You can catch Harley at the National Circus Festival on Monday the 26th of September to Sunday the 2nd of October at Mullumbimby Showground. For details and the full program, which includes performances, talks, workshops and special events like the Circus Olympics, head to nationalcircusfestival.com. <laughs>